when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Dan Snow's History. Last week, the first week of December 2022, saw an event that few predicted. It's been a turbulent year, folks, and I thought we might stagger through to the end of December without another absolute clangor. But no. Germany had a treat for us. A collection of people, including a celebrity gourmet chef, former police officers, judges, serving army officers worryingly, a bizarre collection of people from right across Germany were targeted by 3,000 police officers. They found rifles. They found ammunition. They were responding to credible evidence that a monarchist group was about to launch a coup in Germany. Yes, a group seeking to return Germany into a monarchy. You just can't make this stuff up. The plan was to install a 71-year-old aristocrat who was arrested sporting a fairly ridiculous tweed jacket and uh, just looking for all intents and purposes like a, a grand old toff. The plan was to install him as head of state. I think this was a case we didn't quite know whether to laugh or cry when we saw this news. It was an absolutely extraordinary blast from the past. The idea the Germans want to reconnect with their monarchical regime pre-1918 a regime that saw Germany plunged into the First World War with catastrophic consequences for Germany, the German people, and Europe. Few people. I didn't know anybody. I really didn't know anyone held a candle for the Hohenzollern family in Kaiser Wilhelm. But apparently, some people out there still do. And to find out more about them, we're going to go to Katja Hoy. She's been on this podcast before. She's written many great and wonderful books about German history. She came on to talk me through this coup attempt, what these people want, what the rest of Germany wants, and what Germany really thinks of its deposed royal family. This is a weird one, folks. Enjoy. T-minus 10. Atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima. God save the king. No black-white unity till there is first some black unity. Never to go to war with one another again. And lift off, and the shuttle has cleared the tower. Katya, thanks very much for coming back on the podcast. Thanks for having me again. I had a lot of stuff on my bingo card for 2022. I didn't have this one. I did not have a <laughs> revanchiste monarchist putsch. First of all, outline what the hell happened for this audience of people listening to this all over the world. Uh, yeah, so the German government did the first, oh, sorry, the biggest ever uh, sort of police raid against uh, political extremists in modern German history, really sending out over 3,000 um, police officers to look into 150 properties um, to basically uh, foil, as they uh, declared it, a coup attempt against the 
current German government. So this is by a group of people who believe that the current German government, as it is in the current German constitution, has no legitimacy. And they were basically gathering arms and personnel and resources to try and um, install um, the government that they think should run Germany. Now, and the government that should run Germany, is it the Hohenzollern? Is it, is it the royal family that ruled Germany up until 1918? Or is it a different branch? There are many German royals, as we know from studying 18th and 19th century history, and there's an almost unlimited number of German royals. Uh, who are the German royals they sought to put back in charge of Germany? Well, this depends a little bit on who you ask, so which which of the group uh, members you ask, because there's quite a splintered uh, group. So the, the, the so-called Reichsburger who are associated with this coup uh, basically believe that the constitution of 1918, so at the end of the First World War, when indeed the Hohenzollerns were still in charge under Kaiser Wilhelm II, uh, should be restored. Um, now, the problem that they have is that the current head of the Hohenzollern family, uh, Georg Friedrich, who is... Kaiser Wilhelm's uh, great grandson uh, hasn't really affiliated himself with that movement and isn't all that keen on the idea. Or he's certainly not said that he would kind of spearhead a, a government should they manage to to put one in place. Um, and so they're effectively looking for any royal, really, it would seem to you know from from any of the royal families to take over. And and they found a, a kind of member of a, of a minor royal family or kind of noble family, aristocratic family in Thuringia, in a, a man called Heinrich XIII um, of, the, of the House of Royce, uh, who they approached this time and, and who was supposed to spearhead this government that they were going to put in place. We, you think of Germany as one of the most, despite its turbulent history, one of the most mature democracies really in, in, in the world it's, does this come as a shock to you? This is this is a gigantic police operation. This is a serious deal here. Were they actually worried that these clowns would take over the country? I don't think it was so much the case that they had a realistic chance at actually taking over the country. I mean, if you if you follow that thought experiment for a little bit, so let's let's assume they'd managed to get hold of a significant amount of weapons and had actually managed to get into the into the parliament building, into the Bundestag as they planned. You know, there would still have been an entire state behind that. And so the plan was basically to to create chaos, to attack vital infrastructure, to create blackouts and things like that. Um, and then hope that the German people and particularly the security forces of police and army would rise, um, you know, because they're also angry and disaffected, supposedly, to the same degree. They would rise and join them. Um, and I think that's where the problem is. They assume that everybody is as angry and as disaffected as they are, and I, I just do not see that being the case. But I, that, having said that, it is a dangerous movement because for the first time, I think it's taken on a form where, you know, the level of organisation, the fact that they've actually approached and managed to approach um, members of uh, the armed forces, both currently serving and and kind of, you know, previous um, soldiers and, and commanders, and, and the fact that that gives them a degree of organization and and particularly access to weapons and funds that they didn't have before does make them dangerous. As we've seen in the US with the storming of the Capitol building, you don't have to be successful to undermine, you know, people's belief in democracy. Let's go back to 1918 now. Let's do the history. Why do these people feel that, that what happened in 1918 was illegitimate? Let's, let's, the G German royal house, the Hohenzollerns, Kaiser Wilhelm, one of the most powerful monarchs in the world, commanding an empire, a big, big extra-European empire, but also even in Europe, an empire that stretched from, well, you know, Alsace-Lorraine, modern-day France, right the way across into modern-day Russia, uh, a huge central European empire. 
uh, on the losing side in the First World War. And what? tell me what happened at the end of that war and how did it affect the royal family in particular? So the the war obviously ended rather badly for Germany and, and the uh, hardship, particularly the kind of economic hardship that came with that was so severe that many people in Germany were very badly affected by um, diseases. So there was Spanish flu going around, but also just the malnutrition that was caused um, by the shortages in the war caused um, a lot of kind of severe hardship. So that, that anger that the population felt also at the huge casualty figures in the war um, began to be targeted towards Wilhelm to a large degree. And so you end up with kind of people going out on the streets, mass strikes, and that contributed in the end to the so-called German Revolution at the end of the war in 1918, whereby Kaiser Wilhelm II was forced to abdicate. There was also significant Allied pressure. So the Americans in particular said that there'd only be peace if uh, Germany gets rid of its uh, royal family and installs a, a kind of Republican form of democracy. Um, and so these uh, people now feel that this isn't a legitimate regime change. So on the one hand side, brought about by the violence on the streets, by the by the revolutionaries, and on the one uh, on the other side, by kind of foreign pressure, if you will, through uh, President Wilson in the US, who said that there wouldn't be peace unless Wilhelm is gone. And so they feel that that was a, a coup attempt, and that con- that constitution was never legally kind of changed into into the new form. And so they go back, some of them, that is, go back to that particular point and say, no, actually, that constitution has never gone away. It's still in place. The Kaiser regime within Germany kind of collapsed, right? The, the sailors in Wilhelmshaven refused to obey their orders. There was a revolution. The Kaiser escaped, almost lucky to have escaped with his life. So it's always been seen as a kind of closed chapter of history that the Kaiser was unpopular. Germany was looking for something different, defeated, uh, experiencing terrible hardship. To to me and you, the case for monarchical Germany seemed to to depart with the Kaiser in, in the autumn of 1918, right? Yes. And I mean, most people still see it exactly the same way. So, you know, in the way that the rest of the world is shocked and and somewhat um, bemused by by what happened in Germany, I think the same goes for Germans as well. Like the vast majority of of people, you know, find the whole idea peculiar that you'd want to go back to 1918 of, of all um, periods in, in time and, and kind of restore a regime that nobody has experienced in their lifetime. It's not even like you've got old people who sit there and say this was all you know, a lot better. And let's go back to the good old days. This is virtually out of living memory. Um, so that kind of, you know, surprise was was there, I would say, in Germany as well, not just um, not just abroad. Is it just a, a lost cause? It will always attract some people. I mean, has it ever been strong? Has it ever been in any way uh, mainstream, even in the 20s and 30s, as, as Germany sought a, a, a new constitution? It was in the 20s and 30s because... Um, People did look back to sort of pre-1914 rather than pre-1918 history as as the good old days, quite literally, when you think, you know, Germany was one of the most um, prosperous and wealthy societies in the world before the First World War and, and world leading in lots of fields like, I don't know, modern industries in particular, like the chemical industry, um, electrical goods, that kind of thing. So it was seen as a kind of modern economy that was doing very well. People were getting reasonable wages. Um, the education system was one of the best in the world, producing like massive literacy rates and all the rest of it. So the Kaiser, in a way, to some people, stood in for um, or kind of stood for, exemplified that that wealth and the status that, that Germany had achieved in such a short time since its unification. 
you can also see that in the way that, for instance, Paul von Hindenburg was elected as the German president in 1925 and, and was seen as a kind of Ersatzkaiser by many Germans. He was a replacement for what they couldn't have back. Um, but most people drew the line in 1945 and said, like, let's start with something completely new, both East and West. So where East Germany sort of said, we now want to have the better Germany. Let's create a, a socialist Germany because all the previous stuff hasn't worked. West Germany went let's do this liberal democracy thing that we tried in 1848 and haven't really been able to establish. But, you know, the 1945 was seen as a line by the vast majority of people there in terms of going back. Are the memories of the Kaiser fondest in the, in the ancestral traditional lands of the Hohenzollerns? No, this is actually quite interesting that there's more support for this kind of thing in East Germany and the in the former East. Um, I think that's largely due to the fact that people feel um, because of the economic deprivation and various other factors, they don't feel as affiliated. They feel sort of left behind or ostracized by by the government in Berlin. And I don't think it's necessarily specific to you, like resurrection of the monarchy, what what their problem is. I think it's more a kind of disaffection with liberal democracy as it stands, and then looking for ways of legitimizing that, you know, legally and, and historically speaking. So it tends to be stronger in the East. Having said that, this raid that was happening um, uh, last week was uh, very much a um, kind of nationwide thing. So the police looked into uh, properties in 11 out of the 16 states. So it's, it's pretty much across the board. Is there any sort of sane democratic movement to do something similar to this, or is this just way out the limb? Is, is this an extreme version of, of, a, of a lively you know, strand of political debate? Are, are there any parties who wish to see Germany becoming a monarchy once again? There are some sort of restoration um, kind of organisations, if you will, and, and they look back to different royal families and, and do it in a peaceful manner. But they're so small, I wouldn't even say that that is an actual movement. So there are kind of individual clubs and societies where people meet up and, and talk about, you know, the royal traditions and things. But it, there isn't from them, there isn't a serious attempt to try and uh, sort of reestablish a, um, yeah, a sort of monarchy. The, the bigger movement that is perhaps peaceful but still odd is um, the so-called sort of self-administrators. So they... They kind of don't believe that any of the state structures exist because the state doesn't exist. So therefore, if you want, say, a passport or you want to get married, um, the state can't do it for you because the state doesn't exist. So therefore, they effectively print their own passports. Um, they get sort of local people to, you know, do some sort of bogus course so that they can now um, administer things like weddings and funerals and, and sort of do it themselves as an act of resistance against the current state. So there's that movement, uh, the, the so-called Selbstverwalter or self-administrators, which you could say is a somewhat peaceful, more peaceful way of doing this, but equally strange. Hi, I'm Matt Lewis, historian and host of a new chapter of the Echoes of History podcast. If you're an Assassin's Creed fan, and like me, want to be prepared for the launch of Assassin's Creed Shadows later this year, join us on Echoes of History as we head to feudal Japan to explore the real-life history that inspired the latest game from this legendary franchise. Learn about Yasuke, the African warrior who entered the trusted circle of Japan's most powerful warlord. 
hear accounts of cultures colliding when Portuguese missionaries landed on Japanese shores and follow Japan's journey through years of division and bitter warfare to unification at the dawn of the modern era. Make sure you catch every episode by following Echoes of History, a Ubisoft podcast brought to you by History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. If you look at this, if you look at this coup attempt, if you look at in extremism in Britain, if you look at the US, is this the internet? Is it Russian money? Is it bored billionaires? Social media? Or has it ever been thus? Do you think there were always turbulent groups vying for control? This is just another another chapter in the colourful history of, of Europe. I think that's always been around. I mean, when you look at um, statistics, sort of, there's a residual small minority about 10% or so that want the resurrection of the of the monarchy in in Germany one way or another was at least they say so in surveys whether it would actually come to that basically if they, if they were kind of asked tomorrow would you vote for a monarchist party is a different thing i think what the internet perhaps adds to it is a degree of organization so if you're like some weirdo and you're sitting in some village and you're the only one who thinks like that then you might just keep your thoughts to yourself and write them in a diary or whatever. But you haven't really got a means of of easily sort of connecting with other people. Whilst now you join this vast network um, in on Telegram and other sort of you know social media channels where you connect with people who think just like you, and it kind of confirms you know your thoughts. So if you're already sitting there thinking the state doesn't exist, and actually if you look at the constitution, there's a clause in there that it was only going to be temporary, and then you find somebody else who thinks exactly the same thing, it sort of confirms that you know you're not insane um, to you. So effectively, I think this allows people to connect with others better than perhaps previously um, has previously been the case. What what has been the reception in Germany of this news? Is it is it, is it been the kind of amused disbelief that we've had elsewhere, or, or is it pretty scary? I think initially it was very scary, and and when you look at the response from politicians, that those were quite robust words. So people were saying a new level has been reached, and we need to. Um, what was the word that one of the uh, defense experts said something along the lines of we need to um, evaporate this brown soup? You know, referring to sort of the the Nazi shirts. Uh, and the colour of them. Um, so, you know, quite a so- strong response initially, but the media have since um, come up with a strange sort of debate along the lines of, 
you know, was this all blown out of proportion and really they, they could never have succeeded. So what's the big deal? Um, and I think that's quite dangerous. Like I say, they didn't, they don't need to succeed to be dangerous. If they get hold of weapons and they manage to get into the parliament building with weapons, you only need a handful of people to do a lot of damage there, both psychologically and in real terms. Um, so this debate was initially, I think, very much one of shock and, and what do we do about this and has now gone to let's weigh up and let's see and perhaps it wasn't all that bad, which I, I find a little bit troubling. It feels to me like 99 years after the Munich Beer Hall Putsch, the failed Nazi Putsch takeover Germany in 1923, it feels to me the lesson to draw from that isn't, oh, well, these little right-wing fringe groups, let them have their fun, let's not come down too hard on them. Yeah, that's my concern as well. And people say, you know, but the Nazis weren't a fringe group. They they were already several million strong when they came into power. But that isn't the point. They were around throughout the 1920s and people said exactly the same thing about them. They are just a bunch of kind of, you know, crackpots and lunatics and, and look at them and their strange little coup attempt that was never going to work. Um, so, you know, the, the very fact that these groups are out there and are arming themselves and are getting organised, I think, should trouble people. And also the fact that they are getting more support now than they than they used to have. I mean, they've been around since the 1980s and, and have never bothered anybody because they're just there and doing their thing. Um, but if they're now willing to use violence and, and discuss this and, and get people on board who you know, know how to procure weapons and how to use them and how to organise kind of like a campaign or invasion of a building, then that is, is worrying. I'll tell you what, if I was old Papa Hohenzollern, I'd be a bit worried. You're sitting there in your nice house. You managed to restore the family fortunes and you might get swept along in this goddamn coup attempt and end up in prison. It's like Mary, Queen of Scots. You've got to spend the whole time being very cautious here. Never Make sure you're not sending a dodgy email or letter, right? You want to be involved. <laughs> yeah, it's also not helpful for them because uh, they, they're currently trying to get a lot of their family um, like fortune back, um, which was confiscated after the Second World War. So this isn't ideal sort of PR for them either if they are even vaguely implemented with this you know even if they don't have anything to do with it it still kind of rubs off on them reputation wise but to come back to your point about who are these people are, are these kind of um, I would almost say intellectuals and sort of conspiracists or or, or are they you know people left behind people that we, people we've been reading about in the, over the Trump debate and the Brexit debate are these people experiencing economic hardship like their forebears in Germany were in the terrible inflation of the 1920s and then the depression of the late 20s early 30s what worries me is that it's a bit of both and that was the same with the Nazis as well so you know people always talk about the Great Depression as the thing that enabled them and it did but it wasn't the actual unemployed people who voted for them. You know, actually the working classes and, and the, the lower social classes were underrepresented in, in the people that supported Nazism. It was basically the fear of the middle classes and the upper classes of those unemployed that allowed people to, um, or the Nazis to exploit those fears and basically get them on board, get the funding and so on and so forth. And and most of, so the middle classes were overrepresented in that. And when you look today at the, at the Reichsburger movement, you know, there's people like judges, former Bundeswehr commanders, um, teachers. So there was an old lady that was arrested a couple of weeks ago um, who who was also a, a former teacher and, and, you know, didn't really look like you'd imagine a terrorist to look like literally sort of in a, in a seventies and, you know, arrested basically for, for plotting a, a terrorist coup. Um, so the fact that this now goes through several social classes means that there's a lot of people with access to funds and, and to kind of influence and alongside they can use the anger that is residual amongst those who feel left behind and, and feel kind of that, you know, the state isn't working for them economically. 
Yeah, I mean, there's been lots of work done on, on Trump supporters and QAnon supporters in particular, and sorry, insurrectionists who supported Trump and QAnon supporters. This is not a, a scream from the marginalised and the dispossessed. This, these are re- reasonably affluent people who have just found themselves in a world of fake news and propaganda and, and hysteria. Yeah, and there's a direct link there as well. Germany is the biggest QAnon um, cell outside of the US, I think, or certainly outside of the Anglosphere. Um, you know, directly linking to them. So this is not just a similar movement, but you actually have like QAnon chapters in in Germany as well who believe uh, that, you know, just like the American version that Trump is the savior who will basically get rid of this deep state conspiracy thing that is keeping the people down. So the the same sort of thought processes you find in in Germany as well, and they appeal to the same types of people. What will change, do you think, as a result of this? Is, is something a change in teaching in terms of the, the, the story that you tell yourselves uh, about yourselves? I think it does. I mean, whether or not, I think there will be crackdowns and I think they'll also look at some of the Bundeswehr units or the German military units that were uh, potentially involved or allegedly involved with this, particularly the special um, units under the the KSK, so like the the German SAS, if you will, um, who've been under observation for a while because of extremist sort of tendencies within their units. Um, So that's going to happen. But I think more importantly, the German government and particularly mainstream political parties should ask themselves why there are so many people that feel disaffected and, and, you know, what drives them into the arms of extremists. And, you know, I'm obviously not going to say that that this is their, their fault and it isn't, but the problem is that people off the political fringes are there at local level. They're seen, they're heard, they engage with people in in their communities basically directly online and offline um they're they're visible um whilst people feel that you know political kind of heavyweights in berlin don't care about them they're not there they don't come and and speak to people and this is something that i find quite quite troubling personally and and that i feel needs to change yeah that's interesting grassroots visibility of politicians and and representatives um katia thank you very much i hope the germans are aware that there are certain well-publicized members of the Windsor family who are currently maybe looking for an international role, who who have (laughs) had their ambitions within the UK frustrated, and they could easily perhaps uh, reignite their ties with their their ancestral ties with Germany. So if you are looking for members of the royal family to come and step (laughs) in. You've got some some spare. Just as as German princes once populated the royal families of of the peripheries of Europe, so so too now maybe we can give something back. It's very kind of you. Hey, no problem. <laughs> Tell me what's your latest book. Um, I have just finished writing a history of East Germany called Beyond the Wall, um, which is a history of the of the GDR of the East German state from um, nineteen forty nine to the fall of the Berlin Wall, and that'll be out in April next year. Are well, you going to come back on the podcast and tell us all about that? I hope I will do if you let me. <laughs> we certainly will. Thank you, Kasia. <laughs> Thanks. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. 
the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us, and you'll be doing us a big favour. Don't forget, you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can also get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use code DANSNOW at checkout.